This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another special episode of IndiePod, where we get to talk to the people behind some of our favorite indie games. Today, we have Nico to talk about their upcoming title known as Glitched. Thanks for joining. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, man, I am so glad that you joined. You know, it's one of those things when I'm looking down for games to to just that pique my interest and that I want to talk to the developers about. I was going through and it was one of the nights where I was like skimming through games. And I was like, this looks kind of interesting. I'll reach out. And when you had agreed to it, I was like, oh, cool. So I started looking into more of it and I was like, damn, this looks like a Josh ass game. Like I gotta, I gotta try this. <laughs> it's very interesting. I'm uh, really excited to talk to you about this, but before we dive into the game, one of the things that I always like to start these conversations out with is the people behind the games, right? Like who's the actual uh, creators and developers of this. So let's get to know you a little bit. Um, how did you get into game creation in the first place? Yeah. So way back when I was sort of, involved with the rpg maker community man this would have been like early like maybe 2008 um and i found rpg maker i used to do like pokemon rom hacks um (laughs) back when i was like 13 so this i think i'm credited on a couple but that's so long ago i couldn't even find them if i looked (laughs) um yeah and then i started with rpg maker and the community over there was really it was pretty small back then there weren't Mm -hmm. any like major releases back then um, but then games came around like uh, Lisa that sort of brought RPG Maker to like maybe a little more mainstream. Right. Um, right. So that sort of got me into game making. And I actually took a couple college courses um, in game design. Eventually, I switched my major. But I always knew like, hey, this is something I kind of want to do. Very cool. Um, and then, you know, me and my roommates, they were also sort of, you know, game dev people who were in that space. And one day I said, hey, I have this idea from like a you know, from when I was in high school and they were like, yeah, this sounds really cool. Let's do it. And that's when Glitch started. Very nice. Very nice. I, I have a couple of questions based on what you just said. So you said you changed your major, meaning you went into game development or you just took a couple of game development courses. And yeah, then- it, it was a long journey. My, my college took me six years. I started as I was in, I think it was called game design. That's what uh-huh. the major was called. And I enjoyed it, but I kind of felt I don't know, like unfulfilled or unchallenged. So then I went to computer science. Then I went to sociology, then back to computer science. I finally got my degree, sociology and computer science. Um, But I always, I was really fond of the game design classes. I think it just wasn't for me in like the college setting, right? Right, right. That makes sense. So uh, that kind of goes into just a question that I generally ask about this, but it sounds like this was a passion passion project of yours, right? Is this something you're working on like full-time or just something, you know, in your free time on the side? Yeah, so this started as sort of, is my like free time on the side. But once we went through Kickstarter and we had some success there, I knew like, okay, I can do this full time. I had a couple, I have a couple part-time gigs, you know, help pay the rent and stuff. But this is what I do, you know, eight hours a day, eight to 10 hours a day, every day. Like this is what I've been doing for the past four years now. Right. Um, 
Okay. okay. Yeah, so definitely, for... definitely a passion project. Like this is my baby, right? Right. Of course. Yeah, it could still be a passion project and be your full time job, right? Like that's. Right. Not and that, I don't know if that makes it better or worse, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it can be very consuming, I'm sure. Um, so just to, to backtrack on that, you've been working on it for four years now, you said? Yeah, so officially development started at the end of 2016, the start of 2017. So it's okay. about four, four and a half years, and it's going to wrap up pretty soon. We're probably looking at like after QA is done about five years. But I don't know if you want to count. There was some time before we did a lot of concepting and stuff before right, right. official development began. So I don't know what the running total is. I'm just going to say it probably round up in about five years. <laughs> wow. Uh, a lengthy project, I'm sure. But then again, you know, perfection takes time, as they say. Yeah. And unfortunately, I'm a perfectionist. So that has not helped the process. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm, I'm sure. So uh, are you like the, you know, I would say you're the lead developer, the main developer. Yeah, that's are... what I call myself. There's some other people involved. Um, you know, some people helping with music, some with like some pixel art, um, but I'm sort of the main developer. Right, right. Okay, um, let's let's actually dive into the game itself and uh, just kind of give people an understanding as to what Glitched is all about, right? If you had to give me, say, your elevator pitch of Glitched, uh, let's let's run through that and then give me a little bit of like, what makes it special to you? You know, why is this your passion project? Yeah, so so the the one sentence I've got it down to is Glitch is an RPG where you become friends with the protagonist. So okay. um, at some point in the game, a glitch appears and the protagonist of the game starts to talk to you and you have really lengthy conversations about, you know, the quirky RPG world around him. But it's mostly about your relationship with Gus, who's the main character, and him slowly realizing, hey, like you're the player, I'm in a video game like time to have an existential crisis about it. Um, <laughs> so to me, I, I, there's there's a system called the essence system, which is sort of the uh, the thing that brings the game together where every choice you and Gus make changes how Gus's personality is. And over mm -hmm. the course of the game, you know, he's changing bit by bit and you'll have situations where Gus will choose for himself what to do. And that sort of opens up new content and blocks off other content really giving you a sense of like hey i'm making the choices here it's like a it's um you know each time you play and each person who plays it's going to be a little bit different you're going to experience you know different different bits of content here and there which right. i really like that feeling when i'm playing games that hey like this was my adventure right this is something i did myself and huh. if i play it again who knows what i'll see right yeah yeah very true very true so let's um you mentioned a couple of things that I want to touch upon. Uh, let's start with the essence system just in general, uh, because I, I think it's an interesting way to to run this. It's it makes it so it's not as much a like, you know, uh, when you think of like Mass Effect of like the very clear delineation between a good and an evil choice. Right. It seems more of uh, teetering on different flavors of personality. Um, kind of what what brought about these different types? Like, can you tell me a little bit about like one or two of the, the, the types that are in this game and what those choices will, will ultimately lead to, I guess. Yeah. So we actually, when we were first designing the system, we were actually looking at like the sort of good and evil routes of games. And we mm -hmm. were like, Hey, this is cool that players get to choose, but it ultimately ends up as, Hey, do you want to be a good guy or do you want to be like a good guy who does bad things? But right. like, you know, you still end up pretty good, right? Yeah. 
So like, and that's fine for some games where like, I think it works, but we said, hey, like this could be something deeper. And so I think the easiest way I've been explaining it to people who like don't really play video games is these are sort of like Hogwarts houses where there's sort mm-hmm. of broad mm-hmm. personality traits you can ascribe to each essence. And as you make choices, you sort of put points in each essence and you'll have a main one. So like in one essence, for example, is zeal. And this is like your typical RPG hero. You know, you're brave. You're always going to want to fight. If there's a situation, you're going to intervene and be like the hero versus there's another essence called drift. And this is like carefree. You don't really want to get bogged down with the responsibilities. So if you see a townsperson, you know, fighting with a goblin, you may just walk away and say, hey, this has nothing to do with me. (laughs) Right. So these are sort of two different, two extremes. Okay. If you decide to intervene, maybe you'll get some zeal points. If you decide to get out of there, you'll get some drift points. Right. 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 And how big of an impact does that have? Right. Like I'm thinking of in one, I'm thinking of development side. I think that that becomes a tough thing to do depending on how big of an impact these choices will make. Right. Like what I mean by that is if I'm, say, creating a character and creating a run through, generally when I play these types of games where it's like a choices matter type game, I try to think of like, okay, what is that good version or what is that evil version? So I can kind of role play into that character right is it something where when you designed this game you had it with the intention of like if someone wants to go in that drift mode they should just constantly drift and that will get them the right you know drift ending or whatever it is or is it more or less a it doesn't matter as much that you fully commit to one piece but those different choices will lean you in different directions yeah it's more of the second thing that it's It's not so much, um, there are endings specific to the essences, but Mm -hmm. I always saw it more as like all the paths sort of go the same way, but there's just different branches you can go down. Right, right. Different Um, flavors of the story. Yeah. And in terms of development, when we first started, we, we, you know, we knew a lot of game dev people and we sort of knew, oh, the question we had is why don't other games do this, right? Like, why don't they go really in depth? and really, you know, make it so when you fight this slime, you can do 20 different things with the slime. Oh, well, the reason they don't do that is because it takes forever to develop, (laughs) right? Like the scripting and development behind, let's say we have the the very first encounter in the game where you can sort of do this thing is with a slime. And there are five different ways you can go about just battling or not battling or, you know, making the slime happy. So we're in a a typical RPG, you get in the battle with a slime in 30 seconds, you move on to whatever is next. And glitched, here we have like three, four weeks of development time spent on this first encounter with a slime, right? So when we were baby developers, this sounded like a grand dream that it was going to be crazy. Now that I'm four years into it, I'm like, oh, this is why people don't do this. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Um, So that's a great point. Just not to cut you off, but just thinking about kind of where you were at the the start with, you know, those eager eyes and that that hungry appetite for building this crazy extensive thing. Were there any moments where, you know, today's seat, you're a little bit more like, all right, we, we need to tone some of this back, right? Was there any pruning that had to happen because of that? Yeah, so at about, this would have been about a year and a half into development. I would say that was probably the low point. It seemed like progress wasn't getting anywhere. I was mm-hmm. hitting a lot of walls. Just, I, I wouldn't say burnout, but more like, uh, like overwhelmed by, you know, the sort of task that was still at hand. Right. We were sort of, 
we sort of, I don't want to say mismanaged, but maybe miscalculated how big this thing was going to be. And I sort of <laughs> have had a choice at that point. Hey, yeah. do I like cut a lot of this back and deliver an experience that's maybe half baked? Or do I lean fully into this and really just give it my all? Uh-huh. And I, I remember like, you know, talking with the devs, talking to my fiance, like, what should I do about this? And eventually I said, you know what? Like, I'm just going to lean into it. Like, yeah. go big or go I'm home. Just gonna, yeah, I'm just going to go big. And if it's not worth it at the end, the end, at the end hey, I tried. But mm-hmm. I don't want to deliver something half-baked. Even though, you know, we had backers like, hey, what's the plan? And I, I'm always like brutally honest, right? Like right. I would put up Kickstarter updates. Hey, things are rough right now. We're working as hard as we can. We don't have a date or anything right now. Like, we'll see you next time, right? I was never opposed to doing that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, at some point we leaned in and we, I just said, yeah, I'm going to do this. Like, I know it's going to take, <laughs> it's going to take some piece out of me. I'll never get back. You know, some years I'll never get back, but I'm just going to do it. I'm going to go for it. And now here I am, and now we're really, really close to release. Yeah. Um, and That's, it's been a journey. I'll, I'll, I mean, maybe I'll cap it at that. Yeah, it's exciting. I can't wait to... This is one of those things where I wish the game was out so I could be like, so was it worth it? <laughs> you know? I mean, granted, regardless of how it does, I'm sure there's uh, that element of like, it was worth it because you have that success of, of uh, you know, being able to produce something that you're proud of as opposed to doing something that's half-baked, right? Yeah, the is it worth it question is I think every single dev has to have some moment where you do that. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, if I put something that was that I thought would maybe be half-baked or didn't really deliver on what I said it was going to be, I would always, even if it sold well, I would always in the back of my mind say, hey, like it could have been so much more. Yeah. When it comes out now, I know I put everything I could possibly put into it, right? right. So if it if it flops, hey, I gave it my best. And if it's good, hey, maybe it was worth it. But I think a lot of devs, you know, have to grapple with, you know, because, you know, some devs take one year, some devs take eight years with no release date in sight, right? right? Um, but that isn't worth a question. That's a difficult question to sort no, of grapple of course, with of course. In, the, in the indie world, especially, right? Yeah. I mean, it's it's tough. It's overwhelming. It's something that you could put your heart and soul and it could be an amazing game. And something as simple as discoverability can even bite you in the ass, right? Like it's it's one of those things where sometimes it's it's just not in your favor. So like the the question, is it worth it? is is you know i asked it which now i'm gonna shit on myself for it <laughs> but it was is definitely not the right question that you like should be asking yeah i mean i think it's a good question like it's a difficult one and i don't know if it has any dev will ever give you a clear answer but <laughs> i think every dev has to ask themselves that at least at some point in development like you gotta reflect on that right 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 uh let's talk about how this all came to be, right? Uh, one of the things I wanted to talk about at the start is you mentioned having this really cool idea, talking to the other devs and saying, hey, are you on board with this? Where did this idea come from? You know, what was it about this that really sparked your interest and, and kind of how did you evolve this idea of an NPC that knows you're there? Yeah, so I was in computer programming 101 and I was 14 and this was, I think, my sophomore year, maybe my freshman year of high school. And I think it was like our fourth or fifth assignment that you had to make a program that would respond to you when you pressed a key. This is like really simple, basic programming. Right. So right. 
I, you know, I was doing pixel art back then. So I made a little character. And when you pressed a button on the keyboard, a little text bubble would pop up and he would like swear at you or like, you know, say hello, you know, depending right. on the button. Yeah, I was yeah, just yeah. throwing random stuff in there. And, you know, I turned on the assignment. Okay, it was great. And there was just something about that little program that every now and then for like a year, I'd open it up and have a laugh or two. And then like, you know, the gear started turning like, okay, like if the, here's this little guy who can talk to you, what would his world be like? What would his problems be? What, mm. you know, what kind of game would he be in if you could play a game with him? And that idea always was sort of back there as I was, you know, experimenting with the RPG maker, right. um, you know, doing Pokemon ROM hacks, heavy into the RPG elements. Mm. It was always there. And then at one point, everything sort of clicked. And I said, okay, this is what it's going to be like. You know, I have the world now. I have some idea of who he is as a character. And so when I finally brought it to my roommates who they were there for the initial, like sort of taking it from a concept, like putting it on paper and getting right. something playable, sort of, they said, okay, we can make this world way more detailed. Like at the time they were into things like adventure time. Um, yeah. Yeah. Undertale was just starting to come into the forefront. So these like, you know, and I was a big earthbound mother fan. Yeah. So these sort okay. of quirky worlds with like expansive characters and stuff. That was sort of the, what moved us from a little concept in my brain to this, like a world that you could explore with lore and characters. Um, so they sort of helped me bring it into something more tangible. Right. Wow. That's interesting. I love the, the idea. I really enjoy the, the fact that it was just this tiny little character that you thought was amusing and then spawned into this entire expansion of a universe, right? It's almost amazing what is possible when you're thinking about games and, and designing stuff like this and how it, it merges and evolves. One of the things that uh, I wanted to talk about, which I think this is a good stepping point, is is Gus, right? Is that main protagonist. Um, when when you're talking about Gus in things like the, the Steam page, you have a mention of when a glitch appears in the video game World of Soren, an NPC named Gus becomes aware of you, the player, and then later goes on to say that Gus might start to question what role you play in his world. Now, I love this because it implies, uh, which you said earlier, that based on those choices and things that happen, you know, Gus's personality will kind of merge and will will form into something. Is this? Uh, first off, I, I just kind of want to elaborate on what exactly it means by. Gus questioning your role in the world, because I, I'm thinking of this as, as you know, uh, as crazy as Gus leaving the party as the main protagonist of something that could happen, or like, is this more or less how he interacts with the world or will stop talking to you at, at a point and give you the cold shoulder, you know, like, I, I think there's a lot of interesting ways you could run with this, but I wanted to give you just a little bit of time to kind of elaborate on the impact that that has on the game. Yeah, so something that always fascinated me was this sort of relationship between player and protagonist or like your avatar. It mm -hmm. always sort of am amused me that sort of, Hey, you just like control this RPG character. You do every, you make every choice for them. You tell them where to go and stuff. Right. And so this was always like, it, it was always interesting and amusing to me and seeing games that would sort of, you know, break the fourth wall a little bit, you know, like yeah. have those little jokes in there. And then games like Undertale came where it's like, hey, we're really going to address this sort of player party dynamic yep. or like player character dynamic. And we're even going to bring some of these 
concepts like saving and stuff, we're going to make them like story elements. Mm -hmm. And so mm -hmm. I thought, hey, like this is great, but I want the main character to really be sentient and really like get into the nitty gritty of what this means. Like, what does it mean for him to be basically controlled by the player? What kind of impact would that have on like his mental, like mental yeah. state, his yeah. ability to like, is he really making the choices? Who's making the choices between the player and the character? Like there's a lot of gray, a lot of gray area that I like to explore. Yeah. Um, so without giving too much away, um, things can really break down if you want them to. Um, <sighs> Interesting. I always, there's uh, plenty of different endings, but I always liked that your relationship with him is something that it's not just like a straight path. There's going to be times where you really get each other, where you're friends, D depending on how you talk to him, maybe you're really close and there's an ending for that. Or maybe he does, you know, sort of give you that cold shoulder and things break down and there's an ending for that too. Right. Um, so it really is, it's, this is sort of the heart of the game, as I try to put it, is you and Gus sort of going back and forth on what it means for him to be a character in a video game, right? And for you to be the omnipotent player, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I really enjoy this concept because one, it's unique, obviously, but two, a lot of the times when you're playing games and especially in RPGs, you're playing them with that perspective where game designers will try to as closely as they can make it so you are are role playing or or feeling like you're in that person's shoes whereas this game is totally opposite you're saying like they're just a puppet that you're controlling in that way right like this is a very different uh to yeah way you to yourself sort that. of become a character in the world right right exactly. um which i i i've always liked that like that was one of the concepts that was really old that i always knew would be a thing that there would be some NPCs in the game who would address you as you and then Gus is Gus. So there is a delineation, but at the same time, the line is blurry because you're sort of the puppet master, so to speak. Right. 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 Does, and, and because this whole world is, is glitched out uh, and there's, you know, these kind of oddities around is Gus the only NPC that understands who you are and, and like can, can feel your presence. Yeah. So or... in game, there is a, uh, a group called frog incorporated and they sort of run the game. So they're the ones responsible for like the main menu and the title screen. And they are the ones trying to keep the world together and they mm. all recognize you as you, right? Um, they can sort of see past and they have a sort of interesting relationship with Gus as things start to go off the rail. So they're sort of, you know, behind the scenes trying to keep, trying to do their job, which is keeping the game running smoothly, helping you to save open menus and stuff. But as things break down, that relationship between Frog Inc. and you and Gus, there's sort of a lot of tension there. <laughs> the more and more I hear about this game, the more intrigued I become. <laughs> um, the next thing I wanted to talk about was was experience in this game. So most times when you're thinking of an RPG, you think of like the grind, right? You go into a battle, you get some experience, you go to the next battle, and then you go to a dungeon, then you go to a, a big boss, right? And that's kind of like the normal progression for, for games like this. Whereas in this one, uh, stated in, in your Steam page, I noticed there was a mention of an open progression system where earning XP in the game is not just about that like battling system, but also in different actions that you can take throughout the game. So this is another one where I was like, man, this sounds really interesting from a development point, depending on where you take this, as far as like this could be difficult to, to kind of 
work on? Because you were mentioning that, you know, you can kind of have this open form or this open progression throughout the game of different actions that you're taking to get to whatever it might be. Uh, and maybe I'm looking too far into this, but is this something where, you know, uh, ultimately there's going to be a linear path of of how you do X, Y, Z to get to the end of the game? Or is this something where, and you kind of touched upon this a little bit of like, is there a chance that I play this game and someone else plays this game and we have a totally different experience on how we got from point A to point Z? Yeah, definitely the second one. Um, this So when I was talking before about that sort of low point of development, one of the struggles I was having is I was having difficulty sort of bringing all of the mechanics and things that I had spent time developing and getting them sort of streamlined to work all together in unison, right? And what I came up with about that time, it took me a couple months to sort of flesh this out, was the experience system. So there's no leveling or anything like that. The only mm -hmm. way to sort of progress um, your party in battles is equipment. So it's, it's sort of a very bare bones um, battling system, but that's okay. Battling is there and it's, you know, you're going to battle some NPCs, but it's not really the, the main core of the game. Instead, it's sort of progressing through the world and patching glitches. So these glitches will block certain aspects of the game off. So certain areas will be blocked off and certain pathways will be blocked off. You get experience from doing anything in the game. So you meet a new NPC, you get experience points. You win huh. a battle, you get experience points. You find a new location, you get experience points. You complete a quest, you get experience points. You use these experience points, which you can almost see is it's literally your experience in the world. In the game, so yeah, yeah. These experience points can patch glitches which will open up more of the world to you. So depending on sort of where you go and what glitches you patch, your sort of path through the game will be different. Um, mm. Sometimes cool. they can lead you to new endings. Other times it's just more content that gotcha. can give you more experience to go patch more glitches. So it's almost sort of, I guess, sort of Metrovania inspired where you can sort yeah. of move around the world and go back and find glitches that were maybe blocking some small bit of content off. But this was the system to me that sort of took all the mechanics that I had sort of laid out and really brought them together into something that is really enjoyable to play, which I think is what was missing in about that year point in development. Yeah, yeah. Is, is this something where when you're fixing these glitches and you're opening these new paths to potentially new content or to that new ending, right? Is there a, a defined, like I'm thinking of a general RPG of like a quest, right? Of you have this place to go because the characters say we should do this and it, it leads you in that direction. Is the game entirely open? Is there a different like reason why? Yeah, I so might... you have sort of two paths Okay. The first one is Gus is from Betwixt, which is like his hometown, and it gets completely glitched out. So one of your paths is to return there and to fix the glitch. But uh -huh. to get there, you're going to have to sort of get through a couple of sm a couple small glitches. So you can't really get there right away. You've got to go do some questing. You've got to go explore the world. The right. other thing you got to do is Gus has a best friend named Conrad who gets corrupted. Um, and you've got to find a way to uncorrupt him. Mm. And so there's sort of another path that will take you to different locations. Gotcha. And depending on how you progress these sort of two main quests and when you decide to do things, there's sort of a bunch of various, I guess Chrono Trigger is a good comparison. There are a bunch of different endings as you progress through these quests where you can sort of end early 
to get maybe, you know, an ending that's not so great. Or you can really push these quests to their like final states to get an ending that's a little more like, okay, this is more final, right? Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, that's a great comparison to it. I definitely like the idea of having that, especially for those people who just want to kind of like, I've experienced enough, right? I want to get to my ending. And then for those who really enjoy the game and really want to stick in this environment can get that more rewarding uh, ending, if you will. Yeah, because I think you can probably get to your a first pretty basic ending, maybe within 10 to 15 hours. Okay. Um, so if you're someone who just wants to jump in, play a little bit, have a good time, yeah, 10 to 15 hours, there's an ending that'll be satisfying enough. But if you're someone who really wants to dig in, you know, you could go 40, 50 hours and right. really see a lot of the world. Is this something where in the game, if I do that 10 to 15 hours ending, can then I restart and continue oh yeah there's a ton of, rep of replayability and i don't want to give anything away but if you're someone who really enjoys the game you're gonna to want to replay it a couple times okay okay good to know good to know i wanted to quickly talk uh and we've kind of briefly mentioned the fact that you know combat's not the main uh main point on this there's other pieces out there um but i did think that it was super interesting there's one mention in your steam page that says hey, you could uh, win or lose a lot of these combat encounters and the game is just cool with that. It's like, okay, well, that's your experience. You lost, like, go to the next thing, right? What what was it about this concept? Because I really enjoy this um, and it makes me nervous because I hate when I lose and then I'm like, fuck, I need to go back and challenge myself to actually beat that part, right? But like, what was it that that pushed you to, to have this strategy when yeah, it comes this, to combat? This was really difficult because and this sort of gets into the like the concept of save scumming and i still have some people say hey i don't like this game because i can't save scum which is where like let's say i'll save right before a battle and then if i lose okay i'll just turn the game off and go back to my save mm -hmm. but glitch is pretty sneaky where i auto save a lot oh. um and a lot of pe some people don't like this and i don't there's there's not really been anything i could do to solve this but to me one of the things I like uh, about this system is if you lose, there's no game overs. If you lose a battle, you suffer the consequence of that battle. So right. one thing I kind of struggled with when we were sort of early in development is I know a lot of RPGs are sort of hyper-focused on like death and violence, mm -hmm. um, which, okay, that's great. You're in a fantasy world, kill some slimes, kill some goblins, you're good. But to me, I always said, okay, like I don't want a main character who just goes on this murderous rampage. It sort of <laughs> makes it difficult to sort of see it as a tangible world. Right. I would like, I wouldn't just go, if I had some goblin neighbors who lived out in the forest, my first thought isn't to go murder them, right? <laughs> <laughs> so to me, like I, I saw Gus as more of like, he's not really the warrior type. He's just like some guy in this world. Right. Right. So to me, when you lose a, every battle in Glitch is fought over some thing, over some disagreement you have with the NPC. So in one example, you come across a little clinic and there's this lone shark who's trying to get money from this poor snail. And you can step in and you can battle the shark to make the shark, you know, back off so the snail can go free. So mm -hmm. you can, it's the battle over, you know, some disagreement or conflict. If you win the battle, hey, Mr. Snail can go free. If you lose the battle, hey, the snail has to pay up. So there are consequences to winning and losing, right? And this sort of, again, it's one thing that adds a lot of dev time, but I never, I, it just, the game never felt right back when we had these like death moments. It never really clicked. And once we sort of put this spin on it, things I think started to click with the battle system. Mm. Now, I know there are some people who love saves coming 
and aren't going to like this type of like, you lost, here's the consequence for your loss. <laughs> but to me, if it's a game about choices, I think it really breaks down and loses a lot of, of its energy if... Hey, the choices matter, but you can just go back in time and make them not matter. <laughs> so to me, it was this hard choice. Do I let saves coming to give players more control over their experience? Which, you know, a lot of people will say that's a good thing. Versus if I cut saves coming, I'm sort of really putting a focus and really making players, you know, feel the consequences of their action. And right. I went with the second one. Will it be the right answer? I don't know. But yeah, it's that's it's what we went for ultimately. I mean, you gotta you gotta be confident in whatever you chose, but it's an interesting dilemma that you're kind of brought with because when I think about how I want to play the game, I know that I'd probably be more on that side of like I kind of want to save scum just because I hate when I get into those situations where, like I just mentioned before, where I'm like, "Damn, I gotta try this again" because I don't want to lose, right? I wanna I wanna keep challenging myself to to get to that point to be able to, you know beat them or do whatever right but i think it does make sense because what it ultimately gains from that choice is that these decisions that you make as far as do you want to step in and and save that snail become more of a real real world struggle of like if you saw today someone getting uh, attacked like in real life just on the streets would you as a person automatically jump into that situation and you know some might say yeah of course and then others might be like no that's not me like i'm not a fighter i wouldn't be able to offer anything like i don't know what i would do to stop them right and that comes into pushing more of that role playing into the game because it says like hey you might get beat up right do you want to do this should you just be like uh, that drift essence person so that you know if if that's who you are because you don't want to have that moment where you like wish that you could save scum then that's what you become, right? Yeah, and I always loved these type of situations where it's not good or evil. I don't think you're evil if you say, hey, there's a situation over there, but you know, it's not involving me. I'm not going to put myself in harm way. I don't think that's evil. It's just a choice you can make. Mm -hmm. So I always loved this, and I, I still grapple with the save scumming thing. Um, but to me, hey, I'm going to say you made the choice, so you've got to live with it, right? You've right, got to... Right. It was the choice you made at the time, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's a difficult, and you can go look at games. I think games like Banner Saga, um, have this sort of hard auto save depending on your choices. And you can go like, you can type in Banner Saga save scum and you can see complaints on like Reddit <laughs> and it's all sort of boils on the same. Hey, I think I should be more in control of, it's like my experience. If I want to do this, I should be able to do this. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a difficult argument because yeah, I guess. In a sense, you're right. It's a single player experience. You're not, I guess, hurting anyone else's experience. But at the same time, the reason those devs did it, pretty similar to me, is this, it would be like, hey, I want to play Mario, but I just want to fly over all the enemies and all the stuff. <laughs> right. Okay, well then, like, <laughs> I guess you could do that. And that may be what you want to do. But that sort of, doesn't that sort of kill, you know, what the, the game was going for, right? right? Like, isn't it a platforming game? You're supposed to jump and move around. So I guess that's how I sort of see it, that if I let you save scum, well, there goes any intensity you're ever going to feel in any situation, right? right? So it is a very delicate, it's a delicate sort of situation that I picked a side and I'm going to roll with it, right? <laughs> well, it makes sense. I mean, I won't say one way or another of which is right, which is wrong. I don't think there is one, um, but... As you know, 
as long as that's what the game is, that's what the game is. And people just have to accept it. Um, let's talk a little bit because we, we haven't really, we've briefly talked about it, but we haven't mentioned what combat actually is, right? So what, what does combat look like in this game? I was watching, uh, one of your streams last night, one of the, the older VODs and I was like, oh, this looks, uh, interesting at first you had a mention of like it being a card game but not a card game anymore can you talk me a little through kind of what the combat is now and what it was originally yeah so the the way i sort of see it is it's it's pretty simple when you boil it down so every character you have has has four skills and these are pretty simple skills deal damage heal shield a status effect pretty easy stuff and each skill costs energy so you have six energy each turn and you can use a skill from any party member. So I can use all, if I have one party member who's maybe my attacker, I can use all my energy on that attacker and do however many attacks or skills I want to use. Mm -hmm. And then each party member has a quirk, which is what makes them unique. So for some, after you use three skills, you sort of get a combo attack to deal more damage. Um, so it's a pretty simple battle system in terms of the numbers are really small. I never lied. There's no like crit chance. There's no RNG. You sort of see everything. Once okay. you use enough skills, your skills have charges. You have to refresh using energy. So like some skills will have three charges. Some will have two. And then sort of, uh, you know, your sort of ultimate skills will have only one charge. Mm -hmm. So after using it, you'll have to recharge, which costs energy to sort of get those skills back. So it has a little bit of that sort of card game influence. But I don't, I don't really see it as a card game. It's more of like, I want to say like, pokemon inspired where your skills are sort of really simple you know it's not like a typical rpg where i don't know you'll have 50 different spells on each character right right it's pretty simple you have a couple of skills and they interact in a couple of cool ways and it's more about picking hey who needs to do what this turn managing your energy and sort of testing to see what the enemy is like gonna do so it's more on that tactical side where you sort of it's slower it's not like the super fast pace um, thing, but it's really strategic. And it's, to me, I always wanted something that it's really simple. The numbers are small. So it's pretty easy if you just jump in. But yet at the same time, there's a lot of depth because the skills can interact in a lot of cool different ways. Right, right. Yeah, that makes sense. And you said that it, you know, that it's more on that, that simple side. It's not that crazy, like 60 spells for one character. But I was watching the stream and I kept seeing there was a number of different like classes and skills for each uh, person that you had. Can you talk me a little through the, the class system? Yeah, so you'll get party members and those party members will only have their four skills and a couple other ones. But for Gus, who's always going to be in your party, Gus has a couple different classes he can choose from. Gotcha. Um, so this is, you know, you're going to be forced to use Gus. So there's some more freedom in which role you want Gus to fill. Mm -hmm. Then as you get party members, you can sort of build a team around which Gus class do you like and then which party members sort of round out your sort of, of team there. And like I said, there's no leveling, but there is equipment and you can sort of, your equipment will sort of scale you up throughout the game, getting stronger and stronger as the game goes on. But at the same time, it's not, a lot of times in games, if you don't have the proper equipment, you're just, or you're not properly leveled, the fight's just too difficult. And Glitch, the equipment only gives you a slight edge. So if you sort of want to play on easy mode, you can always have the best equipment and fights won't be too difficult. But if you're someone who really likes a challenge, don't equip anything. And I think you can still, you know, we've tested it a lot. You can still win most battles just sort of using good strategy. Uh -huh. Sort of play the game on a harder, on like a self-inflicted hard mode um, by sort of 
not equipping gear, not doing that, and just trying to to win battles based on skill alone. Gotcha. That makes sense. So, is there no innate difficulty in the like in the settings? It's just based on you know. That yeah, we're we're thinking of some type of easy mode. I know there's a lot of players because this is. I, I don't want to say it has like visual novel elements, but it is pretty text heavy. And I know there's a lot of players who sort of enjoy those sort of text heavier experiences, which I think this can sort of lean into. Mm -hmm. So we're toying with a like sort of story mode where the fights will be really bare bones in terms of difficulty, but gotcha. that's, that may be post-release if there's like demand for it, right? Just right, something right. to sort of get, if you just want to experience the world, but you aren't someone who does all this RPG stuff. So we're, we're, we're debating that. And maybe if there's interest post-launch, That'll be, you know, a mode we throw in a month or two after release. Right. Yeah, at least for for the combat uh, trepidation of what I was talking about for safe scumming, at least that part would be a little bit better because you'd be like, hey, if you are really worried about losing those battles, like you could turn on easy mode and then you'll you'll floor it with them. But like, yeah, and I think because there's so much other things to do in the game, I don't want to scare people away who aren't like RPG heads uh -huh. when they might enjoy like 80% of the game. But then let's say they really are put off by the other 20. I would want to say, hey, OK, I'll make this an easier experience for you so you don't have to get bogged down with stuff you don't like. Because I think just with the way the game is, I think there's a lot of people who would be interested who aren't necessarily RPG fans and want to go through with like party building and, you know, longer fights. So right. that's, you know, I, I've always sort of been aware of that. And that I think is something I want to do at some point. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Um, here's one of the obvious questions that I always ask of upcoming titles. Um, I never expect an answer, granted. Um, and I'm sure you'll give me more or less uh, the same that I, I generally hear. But um, when's this game coming out? Uh, it's coming soon. It's coming soon. <laughs> All right. Well, what I will we, ask. We have a date um, and we're almost mind. ready to, we're, yeah, we're almost ready to announce it. We had announced previously a date and we missed that date. So now when it comes time for this date, I want to be more than 100% sure. Yeah. So we're almost at that point where we can do it. Um, and when I do, it'll be, I'll be posting it. I'll be screaming it from the mountaintops <laughs> when that date is here. But for right now, all I can say is it's coming soon. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So one of the last things that I will ask uh, once again, you know, thank you for coming on. But what I always like to hear from all the people who come onto the show is just general advice. Um, things for, you know, you've spent so much time on this and you, you're you really getting, uh, you know, light at the end of the tunnel. Right. Um, but I'm sure there's a lot of things you learned along the way. And I think for those listening who maybe they want to get into the indie scene or, you know, they're they want to start their own project of their own. What's some advice or something that's helped you along the way from, you know, where you were then and where you are now? Yeah. So I'll, I'll talk specifically about making the game itself. So when you have your idea, maybe you've gone through Kickstarter, maybe you've got a publisher, maybe you've got money together and it's time to start the game. Here is my the thing. I wish someone would have told me back then is to go slow, build it up, Get your foundation there because everything you build on top of that foundation, it can all come crumbling down if you didn't spend that time to make sure your foundation was there. So mm -hmm. go slow. Take that year or two or, you know, if it's a smaller game, take that six months to really make sure that your foundation, you know, that engine, whatever you're running, your ideas, your mechanics are all fleshed out for when it's time to start, you know, putting the content in 
that it's sitting on something that's rock solid. One right. of the issues we ran into is the foundation. It just wasn't there about a year in. I hadn't taken that time to sort of think about the mechanics and how they were all going to come together in the end and how everything would flow in that gameplay loop. So take that time. Don't rush through it. You only get one shot to do this, <laughs> right? So take your time and go slow, right? I think if I would have if I would have been told that way back when, I think I could have gotten this thing out in two or three years instead of four or five. If I had right. really taken that six months to sit down to make sure I knew exactly what the next couple of years were going to be instead of just sort of going, hey, I'm going to do this piece by piece. No, get your base there and build from there. Yeah. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Well, thank you so much. For those listening, Glitched is currently in development and is coming soon. But if any of this sounded interesting, definitely go over to their Steam page, wish wishlist the game, uh, check it out, because I think this is one that, at least for my sake, I'm very excited for. I think it's going to be great. Um, you know, once again, just thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was really great.